Hello. Well, we're back this week with the gorgeous Jessica Belloff, freelance stylist and author of the amazing book, Individual, Inspiration for Creating a Home That is Uniquely Your Own. Now, this is part two of my conversation with her. So if you haven't listened to the last episode, which was part one, then stop now. <laughs> Go back and do that straight away. We'll be here when you're done and uh, and ready to deliver up part two to you. Otherwise, if you've already listened to part one, then let's dive into part two and continue hearing from Jess right now. Welcome to Get It Right with the Undercover Architect. This is the podcast all about designing, building or renovating your home. I'm your host, Amelia Lee. Think of me as your secret ally. I am on a mission to help you create a home that makes your life better, whoever you're working with and whatever your dreams, your location or your budget. Together, we'll uncover the nitty gritty of how to get it right and how to create a home that works, feels great, and that you feel great in. So join me now. Now, before we dive into the interview, if you're listening because you want to get it right in your home's interior design, well, let me take a moment to tell you about the online program, Interior Design 101. If you're like most homeowners I know, dreaming, planning and choosing the interior design, finishes and items in your home, it's one of the fantastic and exciting highlights of any renovation or new build project. And yet, it can also be a minefield of options, confusion and overwhelm. Would you like to simplify those choices and have total clarity and confidence that your interior design will help you create your beautiful, functional, feel-good home? Well, that's exactly why Interior Design 101 was created. Interior Design 101 is a self-study DIY program. It contains the full version of all the interviews that are included in the podcast season. I couldn't put all of the questions into the podcast, so we've got the full interviews in both audio and video format, plus extra content that's been specifically created for Interior Design 101. There's full transcripts of all of our interviews. There's also extra checklists, guides, design layouts, and so much good stuff to support you in the interior design of your renovation new home or smaller project. This program has been designed to help you gain clarity and confidence in all those selections and decisions that you need to make for the finishes, fixtures, colors, materials, and items that you'll be living with every day. So if you'd like to learn more about Interior Design 101, then head to www.interiordesign101.com.au and that's the numbers, the numerals 101. So Interior Design 101.com.au and I'll pop that link in the show notes as well. Now let's kick off with our episode. So have you had the chance to check out Jess's book Individual yet? Individuals described as a visual feast of 15 quirky Australian interiors brimming with the personality of their owners where the inspiration is not about buying more stuff but putting your personality into your place. It's Oh, it's just the best book. Honestly, it's stunning. And uh, yeah, I hope that you've had the chance to check it out. So Jess is a freelance stylist and writer who contributes regularly to major interiors publications such as Inside Out and Home Beautiful. And she was Temple and Webster's founding head of styling, which cemented her position as a home styling commentator and gave her insight into how Australians make a house a home. And Jess has also taught extensively on the topic of creative design. Now, you'll continue to hear in this episode how knowledgeable Jess is about the ways that you can style your your home's interior to really bring out the best of it and of you and through the way that you choose color 
colours, furniture, textures, materials and the objects that you surround yourself with, you can, as Jess says, create an authentic space in which you can thrive. Now, if you've listened or followed Undercover Architect for long, you'll know that I talk a lot about how spaces can be compact and full of joy and that you can create a great sense of spaciousness in compact spaces with light, volume and indoor-outdoor connections. And there's also ways that you can style those compact spaces so that you also enhance the sense of spaciousness in them too. So we're actually going to kick off part two of my conversation with Jess as she shares her tips for balancing style and function in small spaces. I really do hope that you enjoy this episode and my conversation with Jess. Let's listen now. One of the lessons that you had in the book was about small spaces and about how to balance style and function in small spaces. And this is something that I know a lot of the UA community are thinking about because they're trying to make sure that they don't create oversized homes, that they create um, and they might be living in urban locations where the home needs to be compact, but obviously still needs to accommodate life and a family and those kinds of things. And the particular home that you showed was Sarah's cottage and um, I'm not going to, sh- I want people to get the book and read Sarah's story because the reason that Sarah has this cottage was just extraordinary. And, <laughs> it's pretty, uh, pretty crazy. Yeah. Incredible story. So, <laughs> yeah. um, and you know, you actually said in it that, uh, in a small space, you can simplify without stripping it of personal story. And you gave three tips about how to do this, about how to sort of do that pairing back exercise so that you can simplify it without removing all the personality. And I think that these are really good tips for anyone in any size home, but particularly in compact homes. Can you go through those three tips for us and just outline them for people and what they sort of mean? Sure. So so number one is the edit. So, you know, really thinking about what the purpose is of this space. Um, you know, how much seating is needed? What activities are people doing in this space? Um, and, and, you know, where are the entry and exit points? What is the traffic flow through this space? Um, and edit refers to, um, you know, taking away those pieces that don't need to be there. Um, and really, you know, if you have to be, be a bit um, ruthless about it, then you have to do it. Like, because, you know, if, if a space feels too cluttered or it's just not functioning in terms of, um, you know, it's just dif- difficult to navigate through, you're not going to spend time in your space. You're going to feel disconnected from that space. So really thinking about what you need in order to use this space, um, you know, to its full potential um, and taking away those things that don't need to be there Um, and maybe focusing on just one or two hero pieces. You still want something in the space that I think catches the eye, something that's, you know, nice to look at. but ultimately, when when space is limited, it's it's really functionality that, um, you know, you still have, you really have to consider. And then I guess the next point is storage. So, you know, we have stuff, stuff happens, <laughs> um, but there are some clever ways that you can integrate storage into a smaller space without having to, you know, fill the walls with shelves or that sort of thing. So, you know, just thinking about multi-purpose furniture pieces. Um, so it might be a coffee table which has, you know, shelving underneath it or it has drawers underneath it. It's a simple thing, but it means that you can clear away, you know, you can hide your remote controls under there or, you know, your books under there or if you, I don't know, do your nails at night while watching TV, you can put your little stash of nail polish or whatever it is um, and hide it away. Um, you know, if you can design in uh, storage solutions like through joinery or cabinetry, um, 
you know, that's fantastic. You know, a little window seat that has a flip up top so you can store blankets or cushions in there. I really love floating shelves um, in my own home, which, um, you know, there is a shot of my shelves in, in my um, house. And it, I don't actually have a lot of furniture in my house when, when I think about it um, because, you know, the idea of fixed shelving just it gets everything up off the floor, but I can display all my stuff. But, but the shelving itself just feels like a part of the house. So it, it doesn't add to that count of stuff, you know, you know what I mean, stuff in the room. And then the third thing to consider is the illusions. So the way that our eyes read light and dark, the way, you know, a lot of people say light colours will make a space feel bigger. Um, and it's true, right? So so lighter colours can, you know, definitely bounce more air, uh, light around the space and, and make it feel like, you know, you sort of, um, you've got more airspace in there. But controversially, uh, I think dark spaces can feel quite roomy as well. If you think of, you know, the infinity of a black wall where, you know, it just kind of feels like it could just keep going like a galaxy, you know, like deep space. Um, so, you know, playing around with dark colours in a small space can be really powerful too. It just depends on if you're a, a light space person or a dark space person. Um, but the trick is to in those situations, if you have high contrast, um, as in you have, um, you know, dark walls, but then you've done architraves and skirting in a really light colour, what that does is box in the room. So all of a sudden, the, the smaller perimeters of the room, the tighter little footprint, um, are more obvious. So if you're going to go dark or light, go the full hog of either of them and even to the point where if you're going to go dark you know do the architraves do the skirting do the ceiling even why not you know open it right up have some fun with that um and the the example that i use in the book is um an example from fashion where you know think about if you want to make your legs look longer you might put a nude heel or shoe on right because it just is the illusion of the continuation of of your legs right down to your foot, right down to the ground. Um, but if you put a black heel or a navy heel, you know, a dark shoe on, that's a little full stop that says, all right, that's the end of the foot there. Um, so it just, again, it's about your eye reading that relationship between um, how it continues on in space. Yeah, they're great tips. I actually really loved reading those in the book because I thought, you know, it's, there does seem to be some specific rules of paint the room lighter so that you make it feel larger but you're yeah. right if you think about some of the dark rooms where they have committed fully to the dark palette throughout there is this level of um as you say it's almost this absorption of space so that the space is, is bigger you know it's, yeah. it's this weird kind of thing and um I loved the comparison to fashion because yeah yeah they're, they're, like as a female where they're often the things that we're told growing up <laughs> and we just accept especially them as rules, me but, yeah. a female with short legs yeah. <laughs> That's a life lesson. That's a good one. Yeah. The other thing I should say um, is lightweight furniture. So furniture that actually is um, slimmer in, in its line, in its design. Um, so, you know, whether it's um, a, a, a glass coffee table or something that's mirrored or, um, you know, something that has a, a thinner frame in it, that visually uh, brings more lightness into the space as well. So, um, you know, boxy stuff isn't always great for for a smaller space it's just going to close it all in a bit more 
Yeah, that ability to really see the continuity of the floor through a space mm. by that thing of like the lighter legs on the furniture or lifting the storage off the floor, you know, those types of things, they can make such a significant difference. So, um, yeah, no, love all those tips. Thank you so much, Jess. So <laughs> one of the other areas that I really loved, and I think this was also evident throughout all the homes, was to celebrate the quirk. So, um, you know, and to think of the, not just the quirk of the home, but your own personal quirks and what you might like to bring into the way that the home is decorated and styled uh, to do that. A lot of homeowners I know who might be either building a brand new home, but want to bring some kind of old charm love into it, or they're adding on a new extension to an existing home and the existing home might have some older qualities in it. I'm always encouraging people, don't just mimic the old home to bring over into the new home. You can buy a lot of reproduction stuff these days. Um, and I feel like it does, it, it, it doesn't let you layer your own story on if you're just buying copy stuff and putting it in there. But you had some fantastic tips about how to bring sort of that vintage charm into a home to give it that sense of a suppose of love and memory and that additional story. Can you just touch on a few of the tips that you had and ideas? Because I think they also relate to what we we're talking to about before with that idea of slowness, of reusing, of environmentally friendly notion of not just um, going out and buying new stuff when we can access older stuff. What were some of those tips that you shared in the in the book and that we saw in the projects in the homes? I think uh, working with Natural, raw natural materials um, definitely helps because, you know, if you think about timber and leather and brass and linen, you know, these are materials that age so beautifully and actually get better with age. Um, so incorporating um, furniture and decor elements that, you know, use those materials um, definitely can add to that texture because it's about texture that, that you know, th that's what we're talking about here where, uh, you know, a little bit of patina, a little bit of things that are messed up, you know, like a, a threadbare rug, you know, think about the visual effect that that has in a space. Um, so even if you are, you know, um, looking to decorate a, a completely new build, working just with thinking about texture, I think tuning into the texture of things. Um, so it could be, you know, um, going to, you know, a, a timber yard or a timber salvage yard um, and looking at old timber doors, you know, and replacing contemporary doors with older ones. Um, you know, doors are something that we travel through every day. We're touching them every day. So, you know, and they, they sort of frame the next room. So just by swapping out your doors can, um, you know, make a huge impact in the feel of the space overall. Um, definitely, I think, you know, staying away from that faux distressed um, finish is, I mean, I, I grew up as what well, my, my dad restores furniture and we, we grew up in a house with lots of antique furniture too. And um, so, yeah, it's kind of drilled into me that I shouldn't <laughs> be. <laughs> I'd be in big trouble if I <laughs> was learning you. <laughs> um, and it just doesn't have the same smell. Like I just, I just love the smell of old stuff, you know, the, and the smell of furniture oil as well, you know, furniture polish. Um, so, you know, and, and then 
you know, visiting, you know, the, so the salvage yards or the recycled plants or whatever it is in your, your state, um, looking at ways that you can bring, it might be like an old architectural element, um, like a beautiful, you know, plaster cornice piece or something like that, but you use it as a sculpture, you use it, you, you, you display it as a piece of art in your home. Um, and then again, that's going to add the texture, it's going to add that movement, um, and it just harks back to another time, which, um, you know we're such visual creatures um so you know that that um, presence of texture that presence of old stuff is is really has a huge impact on our um emotional well-being you know and and then following with that 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 physical experience of the texture too is you know think about you know touching an old leather chair it's just the best feeling ever um, so yeah, that, that's kind of, I think, ways that you can add in that feeling of, of vintage. Yeah, no, they're, they're lovely tips. And I think that, um, you know, the book really goes through a lot of those types of things in the storytelling and the way that people have, um, the homes that are presented. I know very early in my architectural career, um, the architects that I worked for in Sydney told me that to try and focus on, the detail and the texture and the the finish celebrate it where people do come into contact with it where is it at eye level where is it at hand level and then you compare back on the stuff that isn't necessarily the stuff that we touch and interact with every day because the people are people are responding to texture and and um, you know to be able to rub your hand over a rough rock wall as you walk into a house or to put your hand on a nice smooth balustrade or something like that can elevate the experience of a space so much more significantly then you're adding beautiful finishes everywhere and it enables you to stretch your budget. And so I think that even if you're not a, a person who necessarily likes vintage or that's not your taste or the thought of having secondhand pieces in your home is not something you want, I think to focus on that idea of where do you bring in that touch and that texture that gives you that tactility and emotional connection with the the things around you, like you say, sinking into a chair and feeling the armrests and it not all being clinical and crisp and new, but it actually having a warmth and a memory to it in those, you know, and like you can buy some beautiful leather handles these days and it just to it totally changes the game on how you experience that on a day-to-day -day basis, doesn't it? Yes, and I think what comes into play as well here is contrast. So, you know, the beauty of something is highlighted even more when it's in contrast with something that's right next to it. So, you know, a um, if we're talking a leather chair, then, you know, a, a, a chunky woolen throw over the leather chair. Think about the romance and poetry of that, you know, interaction. Um those textures are highlighted even more, you know. So the contrasts of new and old, I absolutely love. Like I think it's so, um, <clears throat> it's so dramatic and it's really powerful. Um, and it's a nice way to, um, you know, celebrate what we have now and what we've had in the past. And it can work really, really well. Um, and it's just about finding the balance, I guess, of of those things. Yeah. No, I just oh, I love this, Jess. This conversation is beautiful. It's just, yeah, <laughs> I, think that, I think the UA community is going to be loving this. So now one thing that was They're all sitting there stroking their yeah. chairs. And... <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, there was one thing that was really evident through all the projects and it was the types of things that people surrounded themselves with and what that evoked in terms of memories or experiences and connected them to then into their feelings or, um, you know, there was one project in particular, it was a uh, project. I keep saying project and I'm, I, <laughs> these poor people, well, they're not living in projects, they're living people, in homes. Yes. <laughs> well, I'd call them case studies and that's <laughs> right either. That wasn't right either. No. Uh, so um, now Leah and Wally, so they had a, a warehouse space that they had um, that they'd then done some additional work in and actually defined some of the spaces in them. So there was this great little sort of cubby house approach to the way that the bedroom had been sort of shaped and they had this little cubby house around the bedroom. So it almost created a room within the larger volume of the warehouse. And you talked about this cubby house approach and linked it back to their childhood and the sense of play, injecting the space with fun and that actually being something really intentional for them in the way that they'd approached the design. And then you, there was a specific quote, which I'm going to read. It says, by decorating ho- their homes with pieces collected on their trips, they are constantly reminded of the experiences that define them. More importantly, they are reminded to keep playing and learning. And I wanted to talk a bit more about this because there was also this other section in the book that talked about the importance of rituals and Mm. what we do in terms of bringing rituals into our everyday life and it just it's been interesting since I finished a book and then I reread it again and then I've been sort of just examining the stuff that I really gravitate towards in our house and I've got a stovetop uh, Alessi espresso maker that I bought when I was backpacking through Italy in my early 20s and you know I remember it being a third of the price that it was in Australia when I hunted it down uh, and then carted yeah. it around in a backpack for a couple of months and every morning I make a coffee with this stovetop espresso and it's kind of like the slowest part of my day you know can't hurry it and it's and it is it's this ritual but it's connecting me to an object that then links me to a memory of an experience so there's a whole layer of stuff that's going on just this this one object in my home and I you know so this idea of surrounding ourselves with the things that remind us to be connected to play to be connected to learning to these experiences how do you see this play out in styling like how do you see this play out in sort of helping homeowners see how to choose the colors and the textures and the things that they surround themselves with I mean I think when it comes to the objects the stuff um everyone has a different tolerance level of how much stuff they can live with. Um, I'm going to say the term clutter, but I, you know, clutter can be a beautiful thing. I'm not sort of using it in a bad way, but uh, a negative way. Um, but, but what I love the idea of exactly like your stovetop um, coffee um, example is that the things that we collect are things that we actually use and integrate into our everyday. So the things that are meaningful, um, if they can be something that's functional as well, then, oh, my gosh, that's, you know, that's exactly the situation we want to be in. Um, I think that collecting stuff, you know, whether it's, um, you know, sadly when, you know, when parents pass away there might be a house full of you know household full of things that um you know the children deal with and and sometimes hanging on to all of that sort of stuff which is so psychologically heavy with um meaning um too much of that can have a a negative impact you know so um I think that anything that we do in our homes should be about balance um, so, you know, to, I guess to quote that, uh, you know, 
little known. I don't know if you've heard of her, Marie Kondo. I don't know. If... <laughs> no, you, have no, you heard about heard this her, thing? No, no this thing. No. I read joy? that book no. and I had such a confronting, <laughs> confronting experience oh, by reading that book. <laughs> I, I, you know what? I haven't read anything. I hadn't seen anything. Um, and then someone said, she said, throw out all your books. So I went, no, nope, not listening to you. <laughs> But, you know, she makes a point about, um, you know, the philosophy behind an object sparking joy. And so, you know, it's the balance of, okay, you know, this this thing reminds me of something and it sparks joy, so therefore, and you know, and I can use it on a daily basis, so I'll, I'll hold on to it. Um, it's funny, though, like, and I surprised myself. Um, I, I, we, my husband and I had a um, Scandinavian holiday last year um, and I didn't buy a lot. I mean, I stocked up on jeans because they're known for their for their denim. So, you know, stocked up on jeans. But I, I bought a little handmade egg cup and it was the smallest thing. And and I got we got back and I used it every day. And it was just a couple of months ago. I dropped it and it smashed. And I was so sad. And I don't I'm not one to you know <laughs> worry too much about possessions like I, you know I sort of have a moment get over it's it it's like but the this death one, of a memory oh, isn't it yeah <laughs> I was like oh my little egg cup our Swedish holiday um so I think you know in 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 bringing stuff around us that reminds us of things is important but we've got to have the balance of all right is this um improving my day or not um I think in terms of telling our story through things like colour and texture, that's fantastic, you know. If you're allowed to paint the walls, you know, why not? Um, paint can be easily painted over if, if you make a mistake. Um, so, you know, think about thinking about your, the colours that you respond to, your personal palette, um, and just, I think, just taking time. Again, it comes back to that slow decorating thing, but, but just taking time to take stock of what you already have. What are you, what are you collecting already that you haven't consciously sort of gone, oh, actually, I've got, you know, seven huge jars of feathers that, you know, I've just picked up when I go on walks. And, and so all of a sudden it's like, oh, well, that's what I do. And, and you know, so maybe think about mounting them in a beautiful frame or, or whatever it is but but just taking the time to and this is what rituals do for us as well it's it's a it's a moment of um connection um but also you know it's 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 about taking stock and just pausing for a minute um and you know I guess you know finding that intention of of that whatever that activity is so I think that's important when it comes to how we choose what we have around us and you know is this really what am I what I'm about and and if it's not then what am I about you know go through I don't know old diaries or pictures of your bedroom when you were a kid and and look at like it's funny I think about my bedroom um growing up and I would always plaster the walls with um um magazine tear outs you know whether it was fashion or it was you know the the pop star that I had a crush on or whatever um and if I can move I'll move the laptop to show you I'm in my office now oh, and that's awesome I moved I'm gonna have to put a screenshot of that on the blog for the podcast <laughs> listeners that's brilliant that's it um and so for me that's my little wall of joy and it's like all it is is pictures up on the wall you know held together with some washi tape and some blue tack but for me that's that's really reassuring um and you know I'll swap the images up or whatever but I'm pretty happy with what I got right now so I haven't actually touched it for 
a couple of months. But, you know, just those little things and, and just taking the time to um, recognize what it is that, that gives you joy and sparks joy, yeah. Kondo. There. <laughs> it's, I mean, that's the thing that came through out in all the homes was just the intentionality that that there wasn't that the interiors of those homes had not just been thrown together based on what was being digested externally but it was this intentional reflection of what was going on internally it was just this it's a very different kind of uh, mm. process and i just thought yeah it's um i'm like you i love um putting stuff up on the walls like that my offices goes through phases like that and then i'll do a clean sweep pull it all off and have to try and remove all the blue tack without pulling ah. off the paint and then <laughs> Now I have a last question and it again, it's from a quote from the book that you said at the beginning of individual, um, we all deserve to live unapologetically in homes that reflect who we are. Instead of a cookie cutter approach, we crave spaces that make us feel secure, connected, nurtured and enriched. And I thought you were really, brave's not the word, but I thought you put your money where your mouth is to put your own home in the, in the book as well as the last mm. home because mm. it totally showed that you are living what you're preaching. Like as a stylist, you're saying, hey, this is what I think is the great way to authentically live in the space that you surround yourself with and, hey, this is how I'm doing it in my home as well. And you can see your home is a unique reflection of you and your partner. You know, whereas being in the industry, I think it would be very easy to get sort of suckered into I've got to have my home looking like the latest, greatest magazines that I'm styling, you know, otherwise – that I'm not measuring up to my kind of the expectations of my career. So now did you find that in the process of writing individual, you spoke on a couple of things that surprised you, but did you find that it influenced sort of the way that you start your, I suppose your writing and the way that you're working with people to, to help them to be braver, to help them to be more confident about the way that they craft their spaces to reflect them more of themselves. And and in creating spaces that reflect them did you or was this something that you've kind of just always been doing in your career um and individual was just an opportunity to go hey this is what it looks like isn't this great how, how have you found that the writing of individual may have sort of I suppose reflected back on you and the way that you do your styling I've always always been interested in how people express who they are um you know back in high school I did an assignment on how hairstyles through the generations represented what was happening in society at the time and so you know the hippies with their long hair and the punks with the short wow. hair and an anarchy and all the rest it's always been in me to just want to know why do we do what we do um and then you know as I said before my pathway into interiors was never super intentional um but in in doing the book um, it 100% got me more and more excited. Every every home that we visited, every interview that I did, um, it just got me more and more excited that, you know, people are doing this, um, but more people should do it too. Um, and, you know, yes, I am exposed to a lot of beautiful product and I work on, you know, set building that is very much not a real home, but I think more and more brands are seeing the importance in representing and showcasing and celebrating spaces that are real. Um, we're all craving more realness, more connection, more authenticity. Um, and so, 
you know, the journey of this book was was just, like I said, it was a bit of a dream because it just, you know, as much as I'd, I'd go to, you know, we'd visit a house and um, I'd come back and, and, you know, look at my own space and think, oh, do I need a pink wall? <laughs> like, do I need a pink wall? And I never would. Like, I, that wouldn't feel right. Like, I'm, I am comfortable in, in my style and all the rest and it, it might not be that my style is, super commercial or whatever, you know, whatever it is. But um, it was more that visiting these spaces where people would do whatever the F they wanted inspired me and made me go, yeah, nah, this is great. I love it. You know, <laughs> I love what you're doing. I love what you're doing. I'm happy with what I'm doing. Um, so that was, that was a really nice part of the exercise. You know, I think inspiration aspiration they're important um but too much of it can weigh us down um you know if we're looking externally too much as you said before um you know those yucky feelings of comparison are going to bubble up at some point um and that's not healthy for anyone so um you know this book is kind of about urging people to look inward the answers are in you. <laughs> <laughs> the answers are inside you. Yeah, yeah it's a, it's a uh, personal discovery book wrapped up as an interior styling book, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Well, like I said, you know, my degree in psychology is definitely um, something that I'm glad I got when I was straight out of high school. Sure. <laughs> but it is, you know, it is important and more and more, more so we need spaces that make us feel secure, spaces that make us feel good. Um, current situation is the perfect example of everyone's at home, spending much more time at home. You know, the, the trend was that we were going that way anyway because, you know, technology allowed people to work from home. Um, but now it's like, no, nope, we got to work at home. Um, so I think, you know, th- the message of this book is very important now, especially because, you know, we'll be spending so much time in these spaces and why not make them exactly what you want them to be? Jess, I can't thank you enough. It's just been such a joy to speak with you. I am so grateful that you went on the adventure of writing individual and shared it with all of us because it's this beautiful exploration of what it looks like to live in a space that reflects authentically who you are. And uh, and I really encourage uh, everyone to grab a copy. I'll pop a link in the resources so that everybody can uh, get to it and uh, get their get check it out because um, it's just this journey through very different but um, gorgeous uh, stories of humans in their spaces, in their homes that are all individual for their own, you know, reasons. Um, But there's this incredible continuity between all of them that gives us connection to, you know, that, that process of looking inward, thinking about how we want to have our homes reflect us and what that, and then having, I suppose, the confidence and the, and the courage to be able to do that. And I think you've chosen uh, homeowners who are doing that so beautifully, whether they're renting, whether they don't have a lot of belongings, whether they you know are living in gorgeous homes you know there's such a a variety there whether they've had really traumatic life experiences it's just it's just this beautiful kind of collage of um, what life's all about and yeah just thank you so much for your time and your generosity on being here today and sharing your wisdom with us Thank you, Amelia. It was so much fun. Thank you. And you summed it up beautifully. You should be my PR person. (laughs) Cheers, Jess. Thanks. (laughs) 
Did you enjoy that? I hope you did. I hope you were also able to learn loads from Jess. She's just got a wealth of knowledge when it comes to really practical, actionable ideas and insights and tips into how to create fantastic, you know, interiors in your home, whatever your lifestyle, whatever your taste, your preferences, whatever combination of people live in your home and whatever your home's like. So remember to head to the show notes because I've got the link there to check out Jess's book. You'll also be able to find her online and her book individual contains so many more practical and actionable tips and ideas and suggestions to help you design and style your home so that you can create a space that suits you and helps you thrive. I really do love this book in case you haven't figured that out. (laughs) And so I am super sincere when I say that I feel it's the interior styling book that I know I've been waiting for. You know, whilst I love ooing and ahhing at the perfectly styled, artfully arranged and often very pale and neutrally coloured glossy magazine images, I have trouble picturing my life in them sometimes and and then thinking about how those spaces can evolve and, you know, in order to support, as Jess puts it in her book, the tangle of layered memories and the mercurial nature of daily life. You know, unlike Jess, I watch homeowners get scared about putting their own stamp on their homes and feeling unsure about their own judgment and lacking trust in their own judgment. I know that you deserve a home that truly reflects you, that helps you feel safe and secure and authentically you. And so I do hope that this conversation with Jess has given you some avenues to explore and some courage to break the rules and some great ideas for your own home. Now, in the resources, you'll also find the link to learn more about Interior Design 101, which is our self-study online program that will help you gain clarity and confidence for the interior design of your future home. And inside Interior Design 101, you'll also find a huge range of interviews on all things interior design, including full transcripts, videos, checklists and guides, and so much good stuff to support you in the interior design of your renovation, new home or smaller project. Now, next episode... We're wrapping up our Interior Design Basics season with episode 25. Can you believe it? It's been an epic season. It's been much bigger than I originally planned, but I've just loved going with it. And I've loved that I've been able to introduce so many amazing people to you to help you with the interior design of your home, bring you so many ideas and, you know, awesome professionals and awesome insights and you know actionable tips and everything like that so be sure to tune in uh, to the next episode I'm going to do a summary of all our episodes I'm going to revisit some of the highlights and remind you of things you might have missed or skipped so it's going to be a really great episode to be able to wrap up now as always huge gratitude to you thanks for tuning in and for letting me be your secret ally until next time bye